Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Psalm we mentioned this morning about the purpose of this song where the Bible said that it was written to the chief musician and it is a psalm or a song of David. We mentioned about how uh, this psalm was designed to be sung. The purpose was the, the, the purpose was for the children of Israel to receive these words as a psalm indicating that it is meant to be words set to music that sung with the accompaniment of musical instruments or simply just a song, a composition, a composition of just words to be either sung or stated by the human voice. And we don't know when this song would be used. We don't know the occasion of this song, but what we uh, do know is that it was to be sung and it was to be directed back to God, giving Him praise, honor, and glory uh, for what He has detailed therein. When we came to this psalm this morning, we noticed as a general overview this psalm in Psalm 68, David is telling us about how God is a God of deliverance. How he throughout this psalm tells about the deliverance that God gives to the children of Israel. And we will note some of that here in just a moment. But as I, in my study, as I began to look into this psalm and uh, to notice what the Bible says uh, here in this 68th psalm, I was, I was amazed at how God gave me direction through this psalm written thousands of years ago in the, uh, the Jewish world and how it applies to what we are dealing with tonight in this, uh, during this season in the United States of America. And so, and I haven't done this this far, uh, preaching about uh, things concerning the coronavirus and, and things of that nature, but this morning, uh, we began to notice, by the end of the message, I gave the title, amen, uh, but as we began this morning, we started to look at what we're calling a Christian's look at the coronavirus. A Christian's look at the coronavirus. And so with that subject in mind, I want us to turn our eyes to uh, verse number 1 and 2 a little bit this evening when we see this psalm's application to this current situation that we are dealing with with the coronavirus. We see some, uh, we see some parallels, number one, when it comes to the prayer that is requested. Look at verse number 1 with me this evening. The Bible said, again, these are the words of David, he says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Amen. These first two verses begin the prayer that David prays until verse number three. Thank you, hon. Uh, he begins uh, these two verses. Uh, with, he begins these first two verses praying a prayer that will continue until verse number three. And directly prior, uh, he gives these words directly prior to the moment when David's heartfelt sentiments of praise burst forth.
forth on the pages of Holy Writ. He begins his prayer quoting the words of Moses, which by this time had long been part of the Hebrew Scriptures. This, no doubt, was a portion of the Scriptures that David had committed to memory. Moses, God's man and leader of Israel through many moments when they would have needed God to deliver them, originally spoke these words in Numbers chapter number 10 and verse number 35. He began, we, we'll, we'll look at that here in just a moment, but David here is quoting Moses almost word for word. And there are many other times throughout the Old Testament where other believers, other children of God, would take these very words in moments where they needed deliverance and they would quote the words of Moses and they would find great strength therein. No doubt David is doing the same here in verse number 1 of our text. When Moses originally gave these words that we find in verse number 1, uh, the, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of the wilderness of Israel, out of the wilderness and in the direction of Canaan land. As they were departing to the land that God had given them as an inheritance, uh, the prayer of Moses was, and here is the words that he used. If you'll listen to these words of Moses and look at David's words in verse number one, you'll see they, they are very similar. The Bible said in Numbers 10.35 that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. It's pretty close, isn't it? Amen. David said, Arise, and Moses said, Rise up. Amen. Do you know what uh, you know what arise means? It means to rise up. Amen. And it's almost a direct quote here. Amen. When Moses prayed this prayer, uh, he knew that he needed the Lord to go before him and to protect uh, them because he did not know what would lie ahead for Israel. And he was, listen to this, he was helpless against the unknown. Did you hear what I said? Amen. He did not know what was ahead of Israel and the unknown for him was something that he was helpless against. There was nothing that Moses could do uh, to change what he did not know. He was living, uh, he was leaving the wilderness and he had set his course toward the Canaan land, the land of Israel's inheritance. And we know when they got there was a land that, yes, was uh, occupied by giants, but thank God, it was also a land filled with milk and honey. Amen. And it was the land that God had promised to them. And can I just say this this evening? Doesn't have much to do with my message. It has a little bit to do with Moses. Amen. But can I just say that when we go somewhere and God's led us in that direction and there's giants in the land, friend, you don't have to worry about the giants if God told you to go there. Amen. Amen. He will provide Amen. the protection you need Amen. against the giants. Can I say, if God's led you anywhere in this world, if God's placed a calling upon your life and there's fear in that, if God's given you direction and there's fearfulness in that, can I say, friend, you need to enjoy the milk and honey. Amen. Amen. And don't worry about the giants. Thank God take care of the giants. That's right. But as far as this moment when he begins the journey out of the wilderness and into in the direction of Canaan land, Moses 
still had much journeying ahead of him. There's still many chapters in the book of Numbers where uh, Moses and the children of Israel faced many difficulties and many different things. After he cried these words in a prayer to God, he said, Arise, he said, Rise up, Lord, and let your enemies be scattered and let them also that hate thee uh, flee before thee. And the reason why he said that is is because he did not know what was coming his way. He was taking a step of faith. He was taking an initial step. And can I say this? You and I right now, we are entering into uncharted waters. We don't know what is ahead. We don't know what uh, tomorrow holds. But And I know it's cliche, but I will say this, thank God, when we don't know uh, what tomorrow holds, Thank God we know who holds tomorrow. Amen. Amen. And he holds tomorrow's tomorrow. And he holds the next day after that. And it's in his hand. And he can do with it whatsoever he wants to do. Amen. And thank God to be his in the midst of it all. Amen. We, We have days of uncertainty. We don't know what the times that we're living in are going to hold for us. Thank God God does. That's right. Our Father does. And I'll say this, if there's anything that I know about my family, if there's anything that I know is coming uh, that I can protect my family from, I'll tell you this, if I know it's coming, friend, I'm going to make sure they're protected. Amen. Right. Why do we thank you if I as a father to my children and a husband and my wife would do that for them? Why in the world would we think that God somehow would not do the same for his children? Amen. Yeah. I'm a faulty, sinful father. He's a good father. He's a sinless Amen. father. Amen. He's a wonderful father. And he will take care of us. Amen. Right. Despite what's ahead. Despite the uncertainty. Amen. Moses and the children of Israel did face battles. They did face trials. They did face opposition. But God took care of them. In fact, His holy name brought them safely to Canaan. Amen. David, in our text, was also a man who did not know uh, what was ahead of him. He did not know what the rest of life would would bring his way. He was a man who knew what it was to need God's deliverance realized in his life. David's life was one that testified that he was a man that would need God to deliver him physically. If you look at if you look at your your Bible and what the Bible has to say about David, David was a man as we find him calling out in verse number one and two to a God of deliverance. He knew what it was to need to be delivered. Amen. Mm-hmm. You think about David's life and the need to be delivered physically from some things. Anybody in the church house this, this evening, anybody listening by way of the internet ever heard of a big nine foot six inch man by the name of Goliath, amen? When little David walked out into the valley of Eli with five smooth stones and a sling, he was trusting in a God of deliverance amen. to deliver him, amen? That's right. To deliver him physically. Anybody here ever heard of a man by the name of Saul? Amen. The Bible said that after David had killed Goliath, the children of Israel had made statements like this. They said, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And you've got King Saul who's the sovereign of his nation and he physically is head and shoulders taller than all the men of Israel. 
I promise you, big, bad, mud, soul, uh, what's God going to take that uh, sitting down? Amen. I'm the king of Israel. Who's this young lad that's went out there and he did something that I wouldn't do and he did something my army wouldn't do and now they're going to praise him. Now they're going to give him glory and, and now they're going to talk about David being the king of Israel and we know the battle that ensued between Saul and David. We know how Saul wanted to take David's life. We know Saul throwing javelins at David and seeking to kill him on the battlefield and there was a little boy, a little man, young man David that knew what it was for God to deliver him. Amen. He knew that God would deliver him in the battle with Goliath because God had proven himself to be a God of deliverance before when David was delivered from the paw of a bear and from the paw of a lion. Amen. He'd seen God come through before. When David faced Saul, he had seen God come through in the, in the situation with Goliath. And then you think about the rest of David's life. There was a day where David became the next king of Israel. There was a day where Saul was no longer the sovereign of the nation, but David was. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us when David had it purposed in his heart that he wanted to build a house of God, wanted to build a temple for the nation of Israel to worship him. God said he wouldn't let David do it physically, but he would let Solomon do it. Why? Because David was a man of war and he had bloody hands. You want to talk about someone that knows God will uh, come through physically. It, it will be a man who has been not only a king, but has been a soldier his entire life. Has walked on to the battlefield only to have God deliver him from the battlefield and allow him to reign as the king of Israel to be an old man and that was full of years. He knew what it was to face tragedy and to face death on every hand and have God be a God that would deliver him. David knew what it was to be delivered physically. Can I say this? David knew what it was to be delivered spiritually. Amen. Not only was David a believer, not only was he someone that was a sweet psalmist of Israel that indicated his heartfelt relationship with the Lord. But anybody remember the name Bathsheba? David sinned with Bathsheba, committed adultery with her, and murdered her husband uh, to try to cover up his sin. And we find him in that moment under the heavy burden of the sin uh, and the punishment of sin and the chastisement of sin. And we find David in need of spiritual deliverance. Amen. And I'm glad that Psalm 51 is in my Bible where David was able to call out to his father and beg God for forgiveness and say, purge me with his, created me a clean heart. And he called out to God to forgive him. Amen. And thank God he received deliverance spiritually. Amen. Amen. He received spiritual help. Can I say this, David, not only does his life testify that he knew what it was to need to be delivered physically and he knew what it was to need uh, to be delivered uh, spiritually. But can I say this? I would say that David at times knew what it was to need God to deliver him emotionally. His Psalms, much like the Psalms that we uh, look at here in Psalm 68, 
this being a psalm of David, the majority of these psalms do uh, bear the name of David, and then many that do not physically bear his name, many uh, scholars do attribute to him uh, based on writing and different things. David wrote many of the psalms, and the fact that he was a psalmist, the fact that he was a songwriter, the fact that he was a sweet poet in the nation of Israel reveals the hurt. As you read the psalms, you see David, and I've told you this before, when it comes to reading the psalms, and you read the psalms in your Bible, it is one of the most interesting books in your King James Bible. And one of the reasons for that is because the psalms bear the marks of humanity. Yes, they are Holy Ghost inspired. Yes, they are God's Word. Yes, they are Scripture. But they are the inspired of the emotions of mankind put on paper. When you read the Psalms, you find the psalmist opening up his chest, spilling out his emotions before God and God putting it down exactly the way that it happened so you and I can read them and get help from them. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're not the only one that gets troubled every once in a while? Aren't you glad that you're not the only one uh, that has hard times? Amen. Aren't you glad that you're not the only one that wants to throw in the towel and throw up your hands and quit from time to time. Aren't you glad that you can as the psalmist did in moments when you're at the bottom, in moments when you're in despair, in moments when you're depressed and discouraged, you're able to look up to God and pour out your heart before Him and give Him a word of prayer. And as we find in this psalm, even at times a word of praise Amen. and get some help from God, these psalms reveal the hurt that David experienced as he begs God for help. You think about David's sin with Bathsheba and much of what was brought forth of that. The Bible tells us that one of the things that came forth from David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah the Hittite and the following tribe, the attempt to cover it up was David lost a child to infantile death. Yeah. Don't tell me that that wouldn't cause you to need emotional help from God. That's right. Amen. I, me and my wife before, right after we had our first son, before we have our, we have our uh, youngest son, our second son, uh, God allowed us to uh, become pregnant with, with a child. Not sure what the gender was, but just a few weeks into development, God chose to allow that child to, to stop growing and to take that child home to be with him. I've got two children on this side of heaven and I've got one on the other side of glory, amen, waiting for a glad reunion day. And I'm telling you, just a couple of weeks in, hadn't even had really a first first real appointment yet, hadn't really had much, had, had much uh, no pictures or anything like that, still way too early. Uh, but I think about that and I think about the hurt that that brought into my oh, yeah. my life and I think about the hurt that it brought into the life of my sweet wife and I know that if it was that early and it broke my heart I couldn't imagine being David and allowing a child to uh, become just a small infant just uh, just eight days old or seven days old uh, one of the two I'm just a couple of days old there amen and the Bible lets us know that that death was the judgment of God upon David's life. Chase me, hand of God upon David's life. Yeah. I couldn't imagine not only losing a child, but knowing that that child's death could have been prevented 
if I would have stayed with God. Yeah. That wasn't the only child that David lost because of his sin. Because of his not standing true. You think about what, what happens in David's life. Not only did he lose a child to infantile death, but we know that David's sons had a bad habit of wanting to kill each other. Yeah. As you read in David's life. Them taking fights toward each other. You think about his son Absalom wanting to kill David and, uh, and, and arises. He goes to the gates of the city and he uh, convinces the men of the city to, uh, to come and to join him in a coup against David, trying to take away his throne. And the Bible said this about Absalom. The Bible, uh, Absalom, amen, not Solomon, amen, Absalom. The Bible said that Absalom was the man that stole the hearts of the men of Israel and they stole the heart he stole the hearts of Israel away from his father David David had to deal not only with the death of a child but he had to deal with the rebellion of one of his sons and now the greatest enemy in David's life at that point was his own son Absalom wanted to kill him and take his throne and then if you think about Absalom and how that story pans out with that, and I promise I'm going somewhere with this, when you see how that story pans out with Absalom, not only did David lose his infant son and his sons wanted to kill each other and fought and strove to accomplish that end, and Absalom wanted to take his throne and kill his own daddy. But then we find David having to hear the news that Absalom is dead. Yeah. You read that passage in David, he doesn't say is Absalom alive. He says this, he makes this statement, one of the most powerful statements in the Bible, if you ask me, especially when it comes to young people. He said, is the young man Absalom safe? That's the heart of the day. He wanted David's throne he wanted to undo David's entire life. All of the successes that David had earned by blood, sweat, and tears up to that point, Absalom wanted to steal it from him. Absalom wanted to kill his dad. And many of David's generals had already turned coat and went to Absalom. Yep. And David's heart, all he was wondering about. Yes, Absalom is his enemy physically trying to take his kingdom. But he said, he is the young man Absalom safe. And he had to find out, no, he's not. Absalom has died. The Bible said Absalom died as a fool died. David had to give the eulogy for his own son. And I find it interesting, again, this is not part of the message, but I find it interesting when David gave a eulogy of Absalom with all that Absalom did against him and all of the eulogies that David gave uh, in that the Bible records, you'll never find him speaking evil of the dead. All of, that's all of that is water under the bridge when David spoke about the things that had happened to him during his reign. He said, it's a young man Absalom safe. And he found out that his son, his son that he loved and the Bible talks about how David cried and said, my son, my, my son. And he cried in bitter uh, grief over the death of his son. He said he had, to, he had to find out that his son died as a fool dies. The testimony of his death wasn't what a daddy would expect it to be. Don't tell me that David didn't know what it was to need deliverance 
emotionally in his life. All of these, no doubt, weighed on David emotionally. When we come to verse number one and two of our text, these verses tell us that the focus of David's desire for deliverance, the Bible says in verse number one, was from his enemies. Uh, and and we, we see that he wanted God to come and take care of those who had set themselves up as the enemy of God and therefore, because they were the enemies of God, had now become the enemies of King David, God's king sitting upon the throne. Here's what he says. He says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. There's the subject of his seeking deliverance, his desire for deliverance. He said, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And let them also that hate him flee before him. Notice he uses the word let in these verses. Notice what he says in verse number one. He says, let God arise. Notice he says in verse number one as well, let, and I'm inserting this when he says he is, he says, let God's enemies be scattered in verse number he says, let God's enemies, in other words, those that hate God, let those flee before God, in verse number one. He says, let, in verse number two, let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Yeah. The word let there in this verse means to, to, to permit, it means to allow, it means to give leave or to give lease. It means to grant permission. David here is asking God to grant permission for himself to arise and take vengeance on his enemies. Isn't it interesting that we serve a God that is so sovereign and that is, uh, that is so much in control of his emotions unlike many of us are. God himself will hold back his vengeance until it's part of his plan to enact his vengeance. You, you may say, and, I, and I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get the coronavirus when we get there, amen. Let me preach the text and we'll make application when we get there. And I think we need the text more than we need the application a little bit tonight, amen. Can I, can I say this? We look at the world that we're living in and we say, I don't understand why God lets this one live. Hey, we talk about it all the time. I can't understand why God lets an abortion doctor live. I can't understand why God will let a murderer live. I don't understand why God I will let a child rapist live. Can I say God wants vengeance? God will enact vengeance, but He does it in His time. That's right. Amen. Right. Can I say this? None of those, none of none of those folks are getting off. That's right. Scot free. That's right. God has taken note of their sin and their need for judgment. Can I remind all of us that God has taken note of our sin? and the need of judgment in our life. If you're out there listening, maybe listening here in here in the sanctuary, maybe out there by way of internet, can I remind you that if you're lost and undone without God, the Bible says that you are an enemy of God. 
The Bible said you're of your father the devil and his works you will do. The Bible declares that if you are not a child of God, you are an enemy of God. The Bible said in the New Testament that we were at before salvation, we're at enmity with God. We were against Him. We were acting contrary to Him. Our nature was not part of His design. Our nature was to give in to our sin and to spit in the face of God Almighty with our sin and with those sins that are missing God's mark of holiness. Amen. Every sin we commit is an atrocity against God. It is a sin against God. Again, when we talk about Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance, do you remember what David said? David did not say, I sinned against Bathsheba. He did not say, I sinned against Uriah. There's you, you may have done them wrong. You may have backstabbed them or betrayed them. But you do not sin against mankind. You only sin against one individual, friend. The only person you'll sin against is God Almighty. The Bible said, David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. When we commit sin, it's against God. It's in opposition to Him. And without salvation, we're the enemies of God. Can I point your attention back to verse number 1 and what happens to the enemies of God? The Bible said, let God arise. Let God, that word arise there means to uh, it means to rise intensively. I, I thought this was interesting, Brother Lewis. It means to rise causatively. In other words, he ri arises intensely, vigorously, with, with great force. That's what David is asking God to do. Don't just gingerly stand up from your seat. Don't just calmly stand to your feet, but jump to your feet. Stand, some of you military folks, stand at attention, amen. You get up, you snap yourself into place, amen. And, and notice, David is not telling God what to do here. He's praying to ask Him to. God allow this to happen. There's enemies. They're enemies of mine, and they're enemies of mine because they're enemies of yours, and I'm concerned about them. God, will you intensively go after them? and execute judgment. But when, it, when the, this word, this Hebrew word for arise also carries the idea of causatively. In other words, not just vigorously and intensely, but for a purpose. When the Bible said, let God arise, God is not standing without reason. From the moment that He stands here and that is being pictured from the moment that he arises ready to judge and ready to scatter the enemies of God and ready, ready to make them flee before his presence. When he arises and his presence comes before the enemies of God, the Bible said God doesn't do it without a reason in mind. He doesn't know what he's going to do before he, before he moves on the scene of David's situation here. He says, let God arise. Let God come to my aid. Let God perform that which I need Him to perform. Let God do it. Let God's enemies be scattered. Let God's enemies, those that hate God, flee before Him. Let, notice He uses this phrase to describe the enemies of God. He calls them the wicked in verse number 2. Let the wicked perish at the presence of God. 
Why is God arising in verse number one? That his presence might be felt and his presence might be known among the enemies of God. If you're not saved, David's prayer was for God's arising in a place of judgment to be against you. If you don't want God's hand of judgment, you don't want God's, you don't want God's judgment to be headed in your direction, it'd be a good day to get saved, friend. Don't be the enemy of God. Be part of God's family. Amen. The, the words of this verse used by both Moses and David speak of God's presence with His children when enemies come our way. Moses and David knew what it was for God's presence to be with them when the enemies came their way. And I'd say both Moses and David knew what it was to have some enemies. In other words, verse 1 is saying men, men set themselves up as God's enemy when they hate God. The psalmist desires for God to show himself present in their trouble by causing the enemies to flee. Can I say this? You'll know that God has, arised on the, has arisen on the scenes of your life when all the enemies flee. Amen. You'll know that God has showed up when all of the devil's crowd flees. The presence of God will do that. I think about what Albert Barnes said. He said he talks here about the the he talks here about the, the presence of God. And this most people believe that with this uh, psalm, the occasion upon which these words would have been used in David's day was uh, back there in Second Samuel chapter number 6 and from what I've studied in this passage I have no internal reasons in the text to discredit what uh, these so called biblical scholars say. Many say that they believe that this psalm was penned after the ark of God, the ark of God was moved in Second Samuel chapter number 6 from the house of, uh, from the house of Obed-Edom and was moving out of the house of of Obed-Edom uh, toward, uh, toward the house of God. The Bible says uh, uh, in uh, Numbers 10 where we get the original words of verse number 1. What was Moses doing? He was moving the ark of God. He was moving the ark of God with a pillar of cloud uh, by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were carrying it through the wilderness. They were headed to Canaan land. But the context is the ark of God being moved when this phrase is used. The ark of God in your Bible, the ark of the covenant uh, is something that represents and is a symbol of God's divine presence. When the, uh, Albert Barnes said the ark, as when Moses spoke these words, uh, the ark was a symbol of the divine presence of God and the idea is that wherever uh, God's presence was, the enemies of God would be subdued or that it was only by the power of him who was supposed to reside there that his enemies could be overcome. All of the enemies of God must be scattered when he arose up in majesty and power. Lemoy uh, uh, and Sharp said, when God leads his people into battle, their enemies flee powerless and pain-stricken. Can I say this? If God's enemies are fleeing, and they're being scattered. And God is the one doing it. They won't do it without realizing who it was that had a hold of them. They may have thought. Can I say this? The Bible says, he, the, the Bible talks about these enemies uh, being scattered. And this quote talks about how God will send them away powerless and pain stricken. 
Can I say, when it comes to the enemies, when it comes to God coming on the scene, when it comes to what the presence of God will do in the life of the children of God, if you have God in your heart, you have the Holy Ghost of God present in your life, amen, God will be a God of deliverance and cause the enemies to flee, amen. And because of what the presence of God can do in our life, the child of God has no reason to be panicked. Amen. You know who should be panicked? Our enemies should be. That's right. That's right. Amen. You set yourself up against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just the enemy of a preacher. You're not just the enemy of a congregation. If you're a false prophet and you set yourself up against those that are teaching the word of God and preaching the word of God rightly divided, and you're talking all you're telling all kinds of errors to the people of God, and you set yourself up against God's church, let me tell you, you don't just have this preacher to worry about. You don't just have to worry about a sermon denouncing you. Amen. You don't have to just worry about uh, what the congregation may do. But if you're an enemy of God's church, you're an enemy of the, uh, of the God of the church. Amen. You don't have to be panicked. But I'll say this, our enemy should be. The child of God, the saved individual has no reason to be panicked. But I'll say this, I think Satan should be. When was the last time we lived like that? We will allow the circumstances of life to emotionally just get us in, uh, just get us in, into uh, what my grandma used to call a tizzy. Amen. Anybody know that? what that means? Amen. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about. My, I'm telling you. You think of it, I mean, just everything here on the out, everything we see in the world gets us all, gets us worked up, gets us bent out of shape. But you and I, as the children of God, that have the God of deliverance living inside of us, have no reason to be fearful, have no reason to be panicked. Wasn't it Jesus that told us we have no reason to worry? We have no reason to be anxious. Amen. If God clothes the birds of the field, and if God will take care for the sparrows, and God will take care for the ravens, amen. They, you and I have been so much greater than they. What do we have to worry about? Yeah. Won't God do the same for us? Amen. 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 We don't have any reason to be worried, but our enemies do. Because we have, I believe it's in the New Testament, uh, where the Apostle Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? Yeah. Amen. And I, I'll say this. I'll, I'll take that verse and I'll, I'll preach the inverse of it as well. If God is against you, why in the world, how in the world does it matter who's for you? Yeah, right. Amen. Right. I don't care if you've gotten the President of the United States and all of this nation. I don't care if you've got all of the UN Counts and all the nations of the world on your side. If you don't have God on your side, you have every reason to be fearful. That's right. I'll say this as well tonight. You know, there is coming a day, and I'm not in my notes, not planning on preaching this, but I will say this. There is coming a day or that will be a reality. There is coming upon the stage of the world that we live in, a political leader and a world leader that will have all of the nations of the world eating out of his hand. That, that antichrist that we know about in the book of Daniel and the book of the Revelation, he will have all of the nations of the world on his side. The Brother Caldwell, there'll be one problem. God's not on his side. His name is self. Antichrist. 
he's against Christ, he's against God, and he's an enemy of God. Doesn't matter who he has on his side because God's against him. But thank God, you and I are saved by the grace that are saved by the grace of God. We have God on our side. Amen. There's no reason to be fearful. Whatever enemy comes your way, let me encourage you, you have no reason to be fearful. I'm not saying when it comes to, and, and, and I will look at this, we'll look at this later, but all of these things that I'm trying to teach you and I'm trying to preach to you out of this text, I'm trying to get to the end that when I was praying and asking God to give us some direction about what we're facing in the United States of America with the coronavirus, I had just heard our president talk about the invisible enemy. Yeah. And then I, in my prayer, in my prayer place, and in my time with the Lord, I read, "Let God arise, let His enemies be scattered, let them also that hate Him flee before Him." Whatever enemy comes against you in your life, friend, you don't have any reason to worry. You have every reason to trust in the God of deliverance, and that includes the invisible enemy that we're facing right now. What the president has coined an invisible enemy. There is, an there is an invisible enemy that we desire to be delivered from and that many of us have spoken about and many of us have even prayed and asked God for God to deliver us and deliver our families and deliver our church and deliver this nation from this invisible enemy. I'll be honest with you. Those are prayers that I've prayed. I, I, I personally don't want to get the coronavirus. Amen. Right. I'm trusting God if I did get it to see me through. I personally believe that God's not through in my life yet. Amen. I personally believe there's still some messages God wants me to preach. Amen. I still believe there is a work that God wants to be done. And until that day comes where God wants to sit me down and when God wants me to be through serving Him, there's nothing in this world. There's not a germ. There's not an amoeba. There's not a sickness. Amen. There's not a danger in this world that can stop me from going forward. But I don't Amen. want to get it. Amen. And I have prayed that God help me not to get it. I pray God to keep my family safe from it. I pray God to keep this church and this church family safe from it. I pray specifically for many of you that I know some of your medical history and I know that you're more susceptible to it. I pray specifically not just for the congregation but for you as a high risk individual that God would help you from getting from uh, getting uh, getting it. Amen. I pray that God would touch this nation and eradicate this invisible enemy from us. But I'm glad to report tonight that there is no enemy that's going to prosper against the children of God. Amen. There's no enemy that's going to, that's going to have any victory over our God. Amen. Amen. You can set yourself up against it, but you will not win. Just like the physical enemies that David faced that were the enemies of God, the pagan nations that were enemies of the nation of Israel and of their God, you and I, while we face this enemy and any other enemy we have uh, to face, let's be reminded as to who our God is. Allow me on the authority of the Word of God tonight to remind each of us that just as God scattered Israel's enemies, and cause them to flee in our text, God can do the same for the enemy that we face, even this, this invisible enemy of the coronavirus. It, let me say this. 
If you look at verse number one, I'm done with this. Look at verse number one. Let God arise. In other words, let his presence come on the scene. Let his active presence that engage its, itself between me and my enemy. And if I can just use this, uh, this country language, take care of business. Amen. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them that hate him flee before him as smoke is driven away. Notice the language here. As smoke is driven away, as wax melteth before the fire. You think about smoke driven away in the wind. You, you may see that smoke for a moment, but when, once the wind gets a hold of it, amen, you'll never find that smoke anymore. And can I say, just like the enemies of God are, the Bible said, as smoke, once God gets a hold of the enemies that we face, we'll never have to worry about them ever again. Amen. amen. He talks about wax in verse number two. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. Verse 1, he talks about the word arise indicates God's presence. Verse 2 says that the wicked will perish at his presence. Verse 3 says that let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice. Notice this word. Before God in his presence, in other words. As you read uh, through this uh, text, and as you uh, progress through, we find uh, that it is the presence of God that makes the difference. The, the reason for the enemies being scattered, the reason for the hope that we have is the presence of God. It is the presence of God that makes the difference according to this text. According to David, he said, if I can just get God on the scene, I know I'll be okay. And can I say this this evening? That is true no matter where you find yourself in life. If you, and that's our problem as Christians, we're not interested enough. We want to take care of it ourselves. We'll pick up the phone and call a person that we think might have enough influence or pull with someone else to get us out of what we're going through. And we don't ever, we don't hardly ever until it's too late take the time to try to get God on the scene. To try to get God's presence involved. Can I remind you this verse as we, as we conclude this evening? The Bible reminds us in Psalm 46, verse number one, God is our refuge and strength. Refuge, he's our hiding place. He's the one that we can run to and take security under. He's our refuge and strength. Remember, let's look at this last, I'll mention this last phrase. He says, not only God is our refuge and strength, but he is a very present help in trouble. If the presence of God is what makes the difference, be reminded that we have a God that is a very present help in trouble. That's not the opinion of this preacher this evening. That's God's word tonight. If you are going through a trouble and you're one of God's children, he says he will not only be present. I love what my Bible says. He is very present. I don't know how you get more present than present. <laughs> But God is the only one that can because he will be very present. Amen. If you're in trouble this evening and you're with situations outside of, of this virus or 
If like we're applying this to what we're facing tonight, if we look, if we're if we're looking tonight at the situation we're living in, and you see nothing but trouble, remember there's a God that is a God of deliverance that is very present in your time of trouble. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching this evening. Thank you for your kind attention. We find some application to what our nation is facing in this prayer that is given, in this prayer that is requested. We see in this prayer that God is a God of deliverance and God can take care of the enemies that we face. Let me ask you tonight, are you overcome with worry, with distress, with anxiety? Does what you hear on the news media cause you to be filled with dread or panic? Maybe not you, but maybe your family. Maybe somebody you know well. Let me remind you tonight that if that's you, not just about this virus, but about situations in life, if you're filled with dread, panic, fear, that is not God's will for you. Can I encourage you tonight to pray that prayer of David? I believe God honors it when we pray His Word back to Him by faith. Maybe there might be somebody here this evening, some folks here at the altar might be praising the Lord for that. Some, some of you listening by way of the internet maybe bowing for prayer might need to just spend time and talk to God and get God on the situation of your life. And while you're praying, it might do you well. Pray like David did. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And let those that hate him flee. There's many enemies we'll face in this life. But you do not have to assume that you're bound for faith. Whereas I've said before many times, we're not fighting for victory Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.